welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of Hastings and Finsbury Orthopaedics Limited. The citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 19. And this case that we are looking at today gives us an opportunity to take a closer look at evidence, which is not often something that the Supreme Court does. This appeal is actually about a prosthetic hip called the Mitch Accolade that was manufactured by Finsbury, who are the respondents in this case. The appellant is Mr Hastings, who underwent a hip replacement in 2009 and was fitted with the Mitch Accolade. Unfortunately, Mr Hastings has had problems with the prosthetic hip and now argues that it is defective. He has been seeking damages under the Consumer Protection Act 1987. So, let's get into the evidence. It was common ground between both of the parties that the statistical evidence on its own was not enough to establish that the hip was defective. On that basis, Hastings presented his evidence on two main bases. Firstly, he sought to demonstrate certain design flaws. Secondly, he raised three matters that, he argued, constituted prima facie evidence that the hip was defective. The first of these matters was expressions of professional concern by members of the professional orthopaedic community. The second was the fact that Finsbury had removed the Mitch accolade from the market. And then the third matter was that Finsbury and regulators had issued notices and alerts about the product. In response to this, when the case went to trial, Finsbury relied upon biostatistics evidence from a Professor Platt, who showed that there was no reliable evidence that the revision rate of this prosthetic hip was out of line with industry benchmarks. That conclusion was agreed with by Mr Hastings. At first instance, it was held that the appellant had failed to prove that the product was defective for the purposes of the Consumer Protection Act. The inner house agreed with that assessment, and so now Mr Hastings appeals to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. As I said at the start, this case is more about the question of evidence, and so there is not really any dispute about the legal principles at play here. The Consumer Protection Act introduced a system of no-fault liability in relation to defective products. In order to determine whether or not a product is defective, the test is if the safety of the product is not to the level that persons generally are entitled to expect. The burden of proof is then on the consumer to establish the defect and prove a causal link to their injury. The justice has held that when it comes to prosthetic hips, there is no entitlement to an absolute level of safety. Instead, gauging the entitlement that a consumer can expect, reference should be made to other prosthetic hips. In other words, you look at the safety level of prosthetic hips generally, and then compare that with the safety level of the Mitch Accolade. In this appeal, the criterion used for entitled expectation of the consumer is the rate at which defective prosthetic hips had to be replaced. However, Hastings failed to establish his statistical case, and so the question now is whether he can instead rely on the three prima facie matters discussed earlier to prove his case instead. The Supreme Court dealt with the three matters in turn. The first issue raised by Hastings was the expressions of concern by the orthopaedic community. 
But this was not convincing because the nature of the concern was more about prosthetic hips in general. The second issue was about the decision by Finsbury to withdraw the Mitch accolade from the market. But the judge at first instance concluded that this was for commercial reasons rather than any safety concerns on the part of the manufacturer. Finally, there were certain notices and alerts issued by regulators as well as by Finsbury, but the idea that this means the product does not meet the entitled expectation is contradicted by the evidence given by Professor Platt. While Hastings did question the statistical evidence on the basis that true data about the number of Mitch accolades that had to be removed is difficult to pin down, this was again something that was rejected by the judge at first instance. Ultimately, therefore, the appeal had to be dismissed. I think the first comment that we can make about this case is that it shows why appeals to the Supreme Court are normally based on the law rather than questions of evidence. This is not to say that there was no point worth appealing in this particular case, because if that was so, then the Supreme Court would have declined to hear the appeal in the first place. Having said that, when the justices are consistently making reference back to the findings of facts from the first instance judge who found against you, then it does not bode well for your case. There is a good reason that cases based on the evidence so rarely make it to the Supreme Court. Generally, the trial judges are better placed to assess the evidence, and when appeals are made, they are about the law itself, or because the assessment of the evidence is completely wrong. However, if that assessment of the facts is way off, then it will generally be picked up on appeal before it gets to the Supreme Court. Overall, I think this actual decision is probably correct as well. I do feel for Mr Hastings, but the aim in consumer protection law is to get a balance so that consumers can claim when a product is defective, without holding manufacturers to high and unachievable standards. Making reference to other products on the market is a good way to make this assessment, and I think the legislation is correct in the sense that it places the burden on the consumer. In the end, the prima facie points raised by Hastings were just never going to be sufficient to satisfy that burden. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com for the theme music. This week, I would like to say a special thanks to Iceni Lawfrog, who left a five-star review on iTunes and said, an excellent podcast, interesting and informative in equal measures. Marcus gets the level just right. I appreciate those kind words, and please remember that those reviews help others to find the podcast, so if you have iTunes, then it would be great if you could take a minute to leave a review yourself, and I will read it out on the podcast. Spotify and other platforms also have review systems as well, so any support you can offer on your podcatcher of choice is very welcome. Anyway, I hope you are surviving the heatwave, and I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!